eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Castle Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer along with Phil Brylo. Dwight Albert from the Spare Time Pro Shop hanging out as well. Lots to talk about on today's show, Dwight. Good morning, Sparky. First, let me start out the show by doing what you know I'm going to do. I told you so. I told you, I told you, I told you. <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> He's been waiting all week to talk I about this. I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> the theme for today is I told you so. I told so. you so. <laughs> Man. Did you hear the show last week at all, Phil? Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on. You're not on. There we go. There we go. Kept listening after uh, on over the stream when I was in Texas after you guys got done. So, And, uh, yeah, a couple of people were on the on the old uh, Facebook later on. Yeah. Can't Mark, believe nobody, Mark London said can't that believe I nobody... gave him the old Burton kiss of death. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned better. I, anybody I picked this year is the first guy out, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, stop. That had nothing to do with Dwight's pick. That had to do with the guy w- w- with the bowling ball at I the know. end. Stop. <laughs> Told you that was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to be that horrible. Do you know what's the funny thing about it is, though? So I didn't actually watch it till yesterday afternoon before I came in f- before the Bucks game. Yeah. Uh, so while uh, they were taking a nap, Jackson and Kay uh, at home were taking a nap, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it. Because Jackson loves bowling now, right? So he's all about it. Like, bowling on TV, he goes and gets his ball and his pins. He sets it up. Oh, boy. And then he walks to the pins when the bowler walks to the pins and throws the ball and the whole deal, which is fine and dandy. And then, you know, he strike and screaming and yelling and all that, which is great. Except I can't focus and concentrate and take notes. So, you know, case like, well, why don't you just do it with him so he can watch it? I'm like, because I can't focus. I got to do it when he's not in the room so I can focus. 
So earlier in the week, I saw a picture, but I didn't know who won, of um, what you might call it, uh, Allen, yeah, with his head in his hands, and Rash behind him, and I was like, oh man. Allen choked and Rash won, or something like that. In my head, that's what I thought had happened. So going into watching this yesterday, that's what I was kind of prepared for. Mm-hmm. And as we get later into the match, we're like 9th, 10th frame, and I'm like, how does that shot happen? I'm trying to figure it out in my brain. Like, how does this happen at the end to get that picture? Like, yeah. I don't understand what happened. Yeah. So well, we'll get to what happened in the match. If you didn't see the match, just stay tuned because it was simply amazing. That's all you I You know, the funniest say. part is I'm, I'm watching. I only got to catch the last game at the airport in St. Louis on my way back home from Lubbock. And I actually had three people crowded behind my phone. Here we are at the airport at E22 at St. Louis Airport. Yeah. And three other people are watching the people that you didn't know on my phone. Yeah, I didn't know That's that they awesome. saw I had it on. They're peering over my shoulder and stuff. So that was pretty cool. That's great. Absolutely. Uh, I got to tell you a quick story, too. So, Kyle Troop was on this show. Yes. Obviously. Who you picked. Right. Who yep. I picked. Yep. Um, but I didn't know that he was going to face plant on the treadmill and throw himself into a oh wall. Oh, my God. During qualifying. I, I didn't see What's that one. Didn't see that one coming. I had no idea that was going to happen. If I would have known that was going to happen or had happened, there was no way I would have picked him because that happened before we did the show Sunday morning. If our insider over there, Brylo, would have said, hey, by the way, Troop fell off of a treadmill and threw himself against the wall, I would have said, well, I'm not picking Kyle Troop this week. I never heard anything about it. Our insider says nothing to me. (laughs) Okay, so I got to tell you a quick story. And I was going to call Tom Clark and tell him, but he listens to the show, so he'll hear it this way. So Rami Makhlouf, who used to work here, okay, no longer obviously works here at the big show uh, during the week. Baby Tausch replaced him if you're just tuning in and you're new to the station. Um, from two to six. So Rami took a job at what was 1500 ESPN in Minneapolis, which is now Score North. They rebranded the station. So that's where he is now. So he's on with two other guys that have been established there for a long time. Phil Mackey, who's been around 100 years. Judd Zolgad, who's been a great reporter for a long time, too, and he's been around 100 years. Both of them have been around. So it's those two guys, and now they've put Rami into the mix. So it's now those three. So I think it was early last week. No, it was the previous week. That f- Thursday, I want to think it was, or something like that. They're watching, they have TV as on, like we do in the mm-hmm. studio. And they're just doing their show, blah, 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 blah. And up comes a replay on TV. There's Kyle Troop. Rami is trying to ignore it. He's trying to ignore it. And finally, Mackie can't ignore it anymore and stops the conversation of what they were talking about to talk about this dude on TV with this huge fro who keeps picking at it, or whatever the case may be, yeah, and he's pick. a bowler. Yeah. And they go on and do this like five or ten minutes on the uh, the PBA, the tour, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I forgot what the topic was that Romney turned it into or whatever. So the only reason I know this is because I had saw somebody tweet like the next day at Romney something about Troop. I texted him like, you were talking about Kyle Troop? And he start, he told me what happened then. And he's like, crazy thing is, I'm thinking maybe we should get him on the show. Do you have any contacts? And I was like, uh, yeah. So I gave him Jerry Schneider's number. So he gets a hold of Jerry. That was, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, whatever it was in the morning. And Jerry booked him for like 5.30 that afternoon from when he called him right away. So they got him on the show. They love Kyle Troop so much, they're thinking about making him a weekly guest on the show. Going forward. Beautiful. Now, see, why did that happen? 
because Fox Sports 1 had a replay on in the middle of the day. They had that channel on, mm-hmm. Fox Sports 1 North or whatever it is up in Minneapolis. Yeah. It just happened to come on TV, and now they get an interview in a in a city where I'm sure nobody was probably talking about the PBA Tour, Minneapolis, and now they're these guys are talking about maybe making it a thing. So when I hear the Kyle Troop story, who do I call? Rami. I'm like, dude, you got to hear what Kyle Troop did. He's like, oh, I'm so tired about this on there. Is there any video? And I'm like, I don't think there's video. He's like, oh, we have to get him back out and talk about this. That's pretty funny. So that's that's how this Fox deal is huge. Because I guarantee you, on my life, other places in the country, when he was up there bowling, people were talking about it. And this week, when it replays again, and he's up there again, people are going to be talking about it again. Well, yeah, he's on the Chris Paul today as well. Perfect. And he was on TMZ Sports last week as well. Picking out the fro when he struck in the second frame of the opening game, you know everybody's eating it up. You know it's it's yep. the personalities that the PBA needs to spread things out, and and he's <clears> one <throat> of the best ones out there. Yeah, you know Sparky's got to get him, you know, marketing more stuff out of his trailer in the parking lot. Oh, well, we kept center. talking about that yeah. last year when we had him on. He's going to be. I'll tell you this right now. Now he's got to win consistently, but mm-hmm. if he wins, he'll be the guy that replaces Pete Weber on this tour. I was going just going to say, yeah, the face of the PBA. It's, it's going to be him. Yeah. But he's so, got to win. Is it the outfits? Is it the fro? Is it the air pick? It's everything. The air it's pick sick. made me it's, just crack up laughing. It's everything. So every time he gets a messenger, he does the air pick or the pick. Right. I mean, every it's, it's music. Ev- it's everything. Music. It's yeah. it's Team Fish. It's right. it's everything that goes along with it. Um, but you're right. The marketing side, they need to help him. Yeah. Because he doesn't know what he's doing. But if they get him some help to be able to help market him a little bit more and put him out there, like Pete Weber was masterful in being able to get his brand out there and do it himself. Mm-hmm. Belmonte, you know, created his own brand. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's no reason why Kyle True can't create his own brand. He, Why can't he have his own jerseys that people can buy and his own pants that people can buy and, like, sell the outfits online? Well, they, they that, do, but nobody knows about them. Okay. Well, we go back to marketing yeah, I again. I still think it would be great if he had a set of young fans in the crowd with big afros on, sure. big froze on. Yeah. yeah but you can do whatever. I, I'm just saying there's a lot that can go about it. Okay, so let's get to uh, the Lubbock Sports Open. Coming up, Carmen Salvino uh, in 27 <laughs> minutes. So Lubbock Sports Open. So for the people that are trying to understand this, I'm going to go to the dork on the show, uh, Dwight, first. So oh, the wolf pattern on the run. Well, it's going to get real dorky at 935, so I'm just getting ahead of the curve. The wolf <laughs> pattern on the right lane is 32 feet for yeah. the oil. Yeah. Scorpion on the left lane is 42 feet. Right. That's the oil pattern. Yes. So explain to people listening why that's a huge difference as far as how far down the lane the oil is and how it affects your ball and everything else. And then tell everybody before you do that what the oil is on a normal house shot compared to what these two are. Oil on a normal house shot is going to be approximately 18 to 21 milliliters of oil at about 41 feet. It's a it's dressed on the lane where the outside 10 boards are very dry and then the middle is very oily. On the tour, uh, they use two different length patterns, so they... Uh, Chris Barnes talks it about all the time when he's in the booth uh, that you take the length of the pattern and you minus it by 31 feet. That is where the ball must be at the exit point of the pattern. So obviously if you take 32 minus 31, that means at 32 feet, the ball should be around first board, second boards. That's why you saw so many guys outside on the course. uh, Scorpion plays much longer and much heavier oil, and that's why you saw the guys playing more inside um, on that pattern. And sucking. Uh, Okay, 
So uh, that's what it was. Left lane yeah. just killed yeah. people. I felt yes. like I was watching the U.S. Open for golf in the left lane. I really did. Like they, they just they put a shot out there that nobody could well, figure and out. And if you looked at the, it, it didn't show up that much of the blue because the overall pattern was so short. But there was a real heavy concentration on the outside five boards on each side of the lane on that scorpion <clears> pattern. They kind of made yeah. it like how the shark was a few years ago. Yeah. When they had that on TV, you could see how well defined the out of bounds was. Wasn't as defined on the scorpion, but you could see it, and that's why you saw a couple of shots get leaked left on that, and they just or leaked right, and they never came back. Yeah, it looked to me watching the show that it's like the lighting above the lanes looked real dark this week, like the lighting in the house. I know they've changed. I know they've changed the lighting they use. They've gone to more of an LED lighting, and sometimes it's just a matter of whatever bowling center. Sometimes depending on where the support beams and everything else are, they have to adjust the angles of the lights and that type of thing. So yeah, it did seem a little darker than past shows, but I thought it kind of you know you, you know the crowd kind of shadowed in and stuff. I yes. thought it kind of added a little more of the atmosphere. Okay, so let's talk about this uh, rev rates. Mm-hmm. Where I said the geeky deal here, right? Oh, yeah. Rev rates. They made a point of pointing it out and circling it on the graphic yep. that Ronald Page's rev rate in that first match was 100 less on the right lane than the left lane. Yep. Explain why, Phil. Just in. Delay the ball hooking, really. The more revolutions you have in the ball, the earlier the ball is going to pick up friction. Later revolutions, the way Ryan was releasing that ball, that ball was getting way past that 32-foot end of the pattern before it started making its break back. So by having fewer revolutions on it, the ball's not going to travel as far. Once it does start making the move, and it's going to delay the move getting into the pocket. Basically, it's called soft-handing it. Right, and he's doing that himself, correct, Phil? Right, yeah, that's all intentional. He did that all week long. So these guys are not only changing bowling balls, from lane to lane, but a guy like Ronald Page is also changing how he releases the ball in each lane to combat the two different patterns. Also, back in the middle 90s when this core technology really started to boom and I was called over to USBC when they were on cell 76, I did a ball test with Danny Speranza. We took a pancake weight block standard ball and then we drilled up a big cord ball and I was able to achieve four more revolutions on that big core ball rather than the pancake weight block mm. ball. Really? So a lot of it's equipment, too. Yep. Okay. Uh, Rhino Page uh, and Trooper going back and forth. Troop just stinking on the left lane. Rhino Page makes a ball change in the seventh frame. Ball with a little bit bigger hook. Strikes. Kyle True, desperate at this point in the seventh frame, because all he's been doing is sparing for the most part, changes the ball in the ninth frame and goes super high, leaves a seven count. But again, I mean, we saw throughout this TV show, guys making ball changes in the ninth, guys making ball changes in the damn 10th frame. Yep. You don't see that type of stuff in closed matches like that normally. But you know, Not it's, that late. Well, you know, it's it's striker, you're out. You've got right. nothing mm-hmm. to lose at that point in time. There was a lot of that that happened even during match play during the week to get 30 bonus spins. We saw a few times where guys are making that desperation change in the 10th frame. And uh, to look ahead to the rest of the show, we didn't know this when match one was, but it was going to be the choke show, and Ronald Page started <laughs> it off. Uh, missing the seven pin in the ninth, and then yep. leaves a split in the tenth and misses that. And you could hear Randy Peterson go, holy cow, like, I cannot believe what I just saw. Like, he just completely blew this entire match yeah, in two frames. Opens. And yeah. everybody, th- going into the ninth, everybody thought it was done. I yeah. thought it was done. I thought Ronald Page was going to win that. Yeah. They talked about that he he lost his footing and he slipped on that seven pin. Almost fell over. I, I didn't see it. I just I what I think is they throw the ball so darn hard at the corner pins, do they just lose a little bit of their timing trying to throw it so hard? I think that was more it than anything. I mean, when you're off balance at the line that that many times or that much of the time, it's usually a timing issue. The one ball where he almost fell over, he threw a strike. Yeah. And and it was online and he didn't think it was a good shot as he was falling over. 
And then when he got the strike, but then when yeah. Peterson went back and looked at it, he's like, that was right on line. Yeah, and there there wasn't that much. I mean, there was one pair that I saw that had a footwork issue, and it wasn't right. obviously That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, there was one pair that. where guys were having a footwork issue during match play early on uh, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and they did you know they just cleaned it and it was, was fine it the rest of the day. Synthetic approach house or wood? Uh, synthetics. Yeah, synthetics yeah. guys will have more problems. So Troop wins uh, that one coming back on the right side where he'd been good all day. Uh, and strikes out to win 198 to 186. Troop had seven spares in that match. And yes. They weren't easy spares. He was he was picking yeah. up all kinds of spares there. Yeah, he put a clinic on all day for yeah. spare shooting. Split, Split shooting, shooting. Was stupid yeah. good. Uh, okay, so now up comes Michael Tang there uh, in the second match. I like Tang. I don't know about mm-hmm. everybody else, but yeah. I uh, he will win. Tang leaves a split Shortly. on the left lane right there in the first frame. He gets his first strike there in the th- in the third. On the left lane. Anytime anybody struck on the left lane early on in the show, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. somebody figures out this left lane, they're going to win this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you had thought Dick Allen had done uh, later in the show. Now, this I need some help on. I'm going to go to our insider, Phil Brylow, who's with <laughs> these guys. So Troop uh, follows Tang's strike with a strike on the right and uh, left lane. I think it was on the right lane where he said, need some pepper on that one while blowing on his fingers. Please explain. Just you need to hit up on it some more. You know you're going to need that ball to really get around the corner at that break point, especially in the left lane. So he wasn't referring to like eating fish or no, anything when no. he was blowing on his fingers no. and saying need some pepper on that no. one? That's what I thought it was. Uh, Tang responds with two more strikes. Uh, Tang trips the sixth pin for a strike in the sixth on the right lane to give him four straight. Seventh frame ball, way high, six count spare. Up comes Troop, leaves the 2-4-10 in the eighth, Dwight. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. No, it's not. Not on that pattern either. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Picks it up. Yeah. Tang comes back with a strike in the eighth. I thought that was a huge, huge ball because if there was going to be any momentum, it would have been coming off of that split. If Tang comes back and opens, it could have been. It would have been over. But then he goes back in the left lane, wide, uh, wide right on the left lane, seven count spare. Troop gets the one of the luckier strikes I think I've seen. Uh, light mixer strike in the ninth. Then he makes the ball change in the tenth on the left lane. Yeah. Goes to that pink ball uh, that he had, uh, and then throws two strikes. Uh, the second ball he trips the nine pin. Strikes again to win two twenty eight two fifteen. And the Kyle Troop train continued to roll Dwight. I also like the fact throughout the entire show that he had interaction with the kids that were in that front row with the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love seeing the fact that the parents are getting their kids. Uh, at the show and uh, on TV and and uh, exposing them to the uh, the pro tour at an early age, I think it's great. Yeah, it was. Ni- I mean, it was nice during Saturday morning match play. Kids were in school all week, so Saturday morning match play, uh, the stands were were pretty crowded for Saturday morning, and a lot of it was probably about half the crowd was high school age bowlers, college age bowlers, and younger. Yep. On Saturday to, before the TV show, so that was nice to see as well. Yep. And Troop was the only one to give the, the kids like a little high five right. between frames. Yep. It's all good stuff. All that fan interaction is good. All right. So Kyle Troop is through the first two matches. Uh, we are halfway through the TV show. Dick Allen versus Kyle Troop comes up next. Uh, and then it's uh, Sean Rash against the winner of that match uh, in the finale on TV. We'll talk about both those matches straight ahead. And don't forget Carmen Selfino, bowling legend. I don't know why I did this. 935 for Carmen Salvino. I'm just joking. I love Carmen. That's up next.
Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Spare Time Pro Shop Dwight Albrecht. Phil Brylo. Extra Frame. Flow Bowling. Insider for the show. I just gave him that. <laughs> I just gave him that nickname today, Insider. Uh, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer here as well. Hey. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up, Carmen Salvino, just a little bit. Don't forget, uh, if you're going to be watching the uh, Super Bowl tonight, which I'm sure most of you will be, uh, Bart Winkler will be manning the fan Twitter account tonight. So hopefully he doesn't swear on the fan (laughs) Twitter account tonight. Uh, So we'll see how that goes uh, tonight. So if you're into watching the Super Bowl and being on social media at the same time, then there you go. You got Bart to interact with uh, with the 105.7 FM fan Twitter account. All right, match three now. Of the Lubbock Sports Open, uh, at this point, Troop had survived uh, two matches. You know, and they and Lamont, Dave Lamont, the play-by-play guy, brought this up this week on the show to Randy Peterson. As far as you know, when you're on the stepladder format and you've won a couple, you know, how are you feeling at this point going into match three? And Peterson said, "Comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know what the lane conditions are. I'm bowling on them. I know how they're breaking down. This other dude yep. getting on the lane, right, Dwight." Has really no idea other than he what he's watched. A few practice balls at the beginning of the show, and again, our insider could tell us how many they get. <laughs> uh, he gets three on each coming on. Okay, before the, during the commercial break, so they all had the fifteen minute practice session before the first match, and then Dick Allen doesn't see the lanes again until that three balls of practice in each lane. Yep, that's crazy. All right, so match three, Allen and Troop both strike first frame. Troop leaves a six pin uh, on a left lane spare. And then they bring up the story about Tom Clark and Dick Allen apparently having a conversation yeah. earlier in the week. I'd go to the insider, but he just shoulder shrugged me when I looked at him. So obviously he doesn't have anything. Um, but for for me though, like you don't hear about that in other no. sports. You don't hear about well, Brady had the commi- uh, had a, a, a conversation with Commissioner Goodell, and now he's all straightened out. Well, playing straight, way better. Right. Like you just don't hear that type of stuff in team sports. I mean, pat on the back to Tom Clark, whatever he did. Like I don't. Maybe Dick was thinking, you know, maybe I should just. Maybe it, was he thinking like questioning whether or not he should be on the tour? Was he questioning what was he? He was questioning himself in some way or form. And it sounds like Tom maybe was playing the psychologist in this deal to get him remotivated and going back in the right direction again. Yeah, it's Dick. Dick is a, a very unique personality, and he's, mm-hmm. if you've ever seen his Facebook page, it's a lot of conspiracy theories sometimes and politics and that type of thing. So sometimes you wonder how much I, what Dick's doing off the lanes distracts him on the lanes. Yep. Apparently I, not this week. Apparently his, his Facebook was pretty quiet. I liked what Randy Peterson went. said. If you didn't know him, he would be like a professional hitman. No. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Very dry sense of humor, right. whatever the case may be. Right. Uh, but he was rolling in this game. I mean, he just threw way too many strikes, and, and Troop simply oh, yeah. could not figure it out. He buried a shot there on the left lane in the fourth frame, leaves a nine pin. I mean, that that's kind of how it was. Allen leaves a ten pin in the fourth, and then rolled from there. Uh, at that point, uh, Troop makes a, another uh, crazy spare there in the seventh, a three, four, six, seven spare. I mean, have you, when was the last time you saw this type of spare shooting from a bowler? on a TV show, making the type of splits he was making consistently throughout the day. Belmo at the Masters a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the last one. In a row, he, yeah. He's leaving some splits and just picking everything up. Yep, that, that was probably the one. Uh, and then uh, he was down 36 there after leaving an 8-pin uh, in the 8th, uh, and then obviously got that. But 278 to 188, uh, Allen wins. Uh, within that match, though, I'm going to go to the old guy on the show now over here, Dwight. Dwight, 
Um, do you remember the skills competition TV show that Peterson was involved in? Yeah. He said it was in Milwaukee or Madison, Madison. Wisconsin, I, and it had to been in the 80s based on what he yeah. looked like. Well, I, I looked real close at I, I played it back a couple times during the week, and I looked real close at the masking units. I don't think it was from anything in Milwaukee. It had to be Madison. I, be I didn't Madison. recognize any of the masking units. The only yeah. thing that came close back in the 80s, and they did have this like a little mini studio for it, was Regency on 76th and Forest. Oh, yeah. And Bowling with the Champs was taped there. So the masking units looked real close to what they showed on TV. But it wasn't the right pair either, because that right. was that was fifty. That was uh, twenty one and twenty two, right? At and, and Regency, right? And I think wasn't it in the fifties or something? Whatever. On the others, it? on the other side where they had the TV studio for the bowling game, that was fifty nine yeah. and sixty, right? And I know it wasn't in there. Yeah, right. should have just. I think it was Riggles. Madison. Riggles probably knew it once he saw. <laughs> right. it, is my guess. Uh, but that's an interesting point, though, that they don't really recognize Randy as making a seven ten on TV when it kind of really was on TV. It just wasn't yeah, a PBA it wasn't event. A PBA event, yeah. right? Right. But that's still impressive. I don't care where, if you make it on TV or off TV. You make up the seven ten. That's and and Mark McDowell from Madison got a plug. Right. You know, yeah. on on that bit. That's awesome. Okay. So now the championship match comes. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. <laughs> bum bum bum. What? I said on the show last week. Rash should have made his opponent finish on the left lane. I, for the love of God, when they did this, I was sitting on my couch yesterday. I go, oh, you're going to be smart guy. Going to be smart guy. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do something different. And I'm going, I, I literally, at that moment in time, I'm like, dude, you're just asking for it. You're just, you're just really asking for it. Why in the world would you defer to let Allen start? So now Allen starts on the left lane, which guess what? I almost called him Richie Allen. He, Dick Allen gets to finish on the right lane now. And I, I was just, I did not understand it. And Randy Peterson, you could hear him literally thinking in his brain, talking mm-hmm. out loud of why in the world would Sean Rash do this. And we watched it all week on Flow Bowling where when it got to these matches, everybody struggled with the left lane as, as the entire block went on. And you know you're going to have an advantage by finishing on that right lane. Why Sean didn't keep that? I'll ask him when I see him at the TOC this week, but I... I thought he was easily going to finish on the right lane. Let the other, let your opponent finish first. If you know what you need anyway, hey, you're on the better of the two patterns, in, in my opinion. I don't. The <laughs> only thing I can think of, because if 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 Allen starts first, that means he finishes last, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Rash didn't want to finish. He didn't want to be put in the situation of having to do something at the end. He wanted to go first in the tenth, and that's why he went the way he did. I'm still thinking he saw something on that left lane right. that maybe fooled him. Or okay. He thought he had a better chance to finish. I, on the I left don't lane. know. I, I was just yeah. thinking from the men, from the mental That's standpoint I of too. I don't want to bowl yeah. last, so I'll let him bowl last. I mean, there's only a couple of guys on tour that I regularly see that don't do that. One of those being Jacob Buttruff. Buttruff, you never see when he's in any type of step ladder family. He always wants to be the guy to finish first when he's top seed. Mm. So that and Sean, you don't you, you know Sean's not the, the kind pressure of guy on the other guy. Usually, yeah, Sean's not the kind of guy who usually shy away from a challenge. So. It had to be something. He saw something in the left lane that he thought he was going to have a better chance of finishing the 10th on. I don't know. Didn't work. Uh, so, Rash, 4-10 split Almost. in the 5th. It was high, clearly. But then he misses both pins. Yeah. And, yeah, again, at that point, you're like, eh, it's not a big deal. But then you fast forward to the 7th. Allen leads a 4-10 split. And Peterson is pointing out if he gets one, he still at least has a lead of one. Right. If he misses both, then it changes the whole game. Yep. So he gets the the one bin. He gets the lead by one. But then and, Randy also finishes up with it's a chance when Lamont right. asks him, he goes, 
you got to go for it. It's a championship match. You need to get the momentum sure. your way. But, Phil, if, if you look ahead, mm-hmm. if Rash gets one of those pins, they're tied. Yes. I'll play Rash dollar. Is, they're going Rash to, is still up by one. If he, if he one gets that pins. one pin? Because he okay. was working on a strike. No, 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 no. I'm saying at the end. Oh, at the end, yeah. Yeah. If he gets one of those pins, they yeah. would have been tied with how the whole thing would have finished. No, he, Rash would have won with he, a nine count. Right. Because he, he was working on a strike. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. lost yep. four yeah, pins. Yeah, lost yep. two pins yep. a count. Don't do math on the air, Sparky. <laughs> okay, so anyways, so then we go to Rash strikes in the seventh off the split by Allen, which I thought was a big moment, trying to take advantage of that. Then strikes in the eighth, totally lucky. He had the 7-10 split 7, 10, yep. staring at him, and they get knocked out from both corners, get knocked out at the very end late. Right. That could have been a 7-10, and that 7-10, and that would have been <laughs> it. Right. And I, I swear to God, when that happened, I said, well, he's going. I mean, you get that type of stuff happening? It's over. He he's gonna win. That that for sure is is going to be the deal where he wins this thing. Then Allen uh leaves a 10 pin in the eighth, picks it up, leaves a four pin and picks that up in the ninth. Rash responds with a strike in the ninth on the right lane. All this fool needs to do in the tenth is mark. <laughs> That's all he's gotta do. Just get a mark, Sean. You got this, buddy. Well, and you know, Watching that shot in the eighth frame, that Sean's ball reaction wasn't great. No, but he didn't change balls or anything. Like that. He just slightly changed his line. He's still half ten. He leaves the ten pin. I still can't believe I watched it. He <laughs> leaves the ten pin, and I'm like, "All right, Rash one." I have no idea where that picture came from. Like, maybe it was an old picture they just put on Twitter. And he throws it and misses it. I was like, "Allen's gonna choke in the tenth. That must be what happens. He must choke when he comes up in the tenth. So at that point in time, watching this, I'm like, oh my God, dude, he just gave you the match and you're gonna choke in the tenth now. Allen comes up. That was beyond stupid. That was luckier than the first strike I talked about earlier that Troop had, the light mixer. That ball, I'm not even sure how much it, if it even touched the head pin all that much. It barely touched it, but it was as light as you could possibly get to get that strike. Well, it comes off the sideboard, takes the hits the four pin, and then the head pin rolls up into the two pin. I mean, if you if you would have hit it a little more solid, that two pin would have been there. It was the craziest chain yeah. of events in the tenth frame I've ever seen on a PBA telecast. Just nuts. Yeah, just nuts. So then he comes back, gets a second strike. That was without question. Right. Then needs eight. <laughs> needs eight and throws an awful ball. Yeah, through the nose. Had the seven pin there for a second. For a second. Or ten had, pin. Uh, ten for a second. Yeah. Had, had, had seven cup for a second. Right. Knocked out. Gets eight to win. <laughs> Come on, man. That was stupid. I mean, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. That was a great TV show. It I mean, was. as far That's as right. drama and ball changes and things happening throughout the show, Man, that was as good as it gets right there. And I think part of it's just because of the whole two-pattern thing all week long. Once they got to Cashers round and they had the left lane with the Scorpion and the right lane, that really made it interesting. And there's a couple more events coming up on the PB Tour schedule uh, in Indianapolis and Jonesboro coming up that it's going to be two-pattern events again. And I'm looking forward to those TV shows because it's going to be tough. And again, yeah. folks, that was an extra frame event last year. And now you got it on FS1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to give you – I mean, people are going to forget, like – we didn't get all these live events right. on TV before, and now you're going to get them. And I, if I'm a betting man, I bet after this year with the numbers they're going to draw with replays and everything else, sponsorship should blow up, and they might be able to even have, start having some bigger purses maybe. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. What I know is going to happen is 
<laughs> Carmen Salvino is coming up next. <laughs> and Dwight Albrecht is here. <laughs> so Phil and I are going to go Check make some out. breakfast. <laughs> and we'll be back. <laughs> Welcome to Castle Lane, Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer, Dwight Albert from the Spare Time Pro Shop. Go get your ball drilled over there. Have your geeky talk with Dwight. <laughs> Fun stuff. Bill Brylo, the insider from uh, Extra Frame Flow Bowling. Bowling legend, Carmen Salvino. Joins hey, us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. How are you doing, Carmen? Doing great. Okay, first things first. Uh... I guess I'm. I really am blown away by the work Tom Clark has done as as commissioner of of the PBA Tour because I I just think this Fox deal that they have now, and then all the replays you get with Fox Sports One, all the additional live events that they've been able to uh, put on the calendar for this year is just a, a huge uh, game changer. I think for the PBA Tour. Uh, Spark, you're 100 percent correct. Uh, uh... Tom and I have been very close and talked many times, and behind the scenes, people do not have any idea what he had to do to keep the PBA going. We had tough times for sponsors, but he kept us going, and then he did a great job. He got us off the ESPN, which was okay at the time, but Fox has given us a lot more publicity. Uh, I'm very excited about the way the bowling game is headed right now, the sport of bowling. Uh, we got kids in college. My God, that's the number one sport. So bowling is right back on the upswing, and I hope the proprietors jump in on this and take advantage of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's that's the one thing that I like the most is because you get all these replays on Fox Sports 1 that exposes more people. Like I was talking about a story earlier about a, a friend of mine that works in Minneapolis now they ended up having Kyle Troop on the air, not because they knew anything about the PBA or anything else, but they saw him bowling on a replay while they were doing their weekday sports talk show and reached out and had Kyle Troop on. They liked him so much, they want to have him on as a weekly guest now. Oh, absolutely. And and also, bowlers are athletes, and people have no idea what it is. I'm going to bowl the tournament of champions, and I'm 85, but I'll tell you, we sometimes bowl eight games we're out there for four hours and we're lugging bowling balls across the lane because uh, a lot of people don't realize we can't bowl on one and two and go to three and four we have to bowl in sections because some sections of a bowling center may be easier like when we were in vegas they had 60 lanes i went from lane 60 to three and four yeah. But but I Carmen, you have called the cab. But Carmen, I mean, <laughs> didn't they have like a little limo golf car transporting you around? I mean, you're Carmen Salvino for God's sakes. Hey, listen, uh, at 85, Sparky, I'm going to challenge you. Forget a, a a sports car or whatever. I don't need that. I'll run rings around you, baby. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right, you will, because I have no interest in doing what you're doing, none whatsoever, buddy, I none. I still work out. I work out physically. I don't work out with heavy weights. I, I bowl with a young guy about 29 years old. His name is Sullivan, Jack Sullivan. And, and that's good for me to bowl with young people because I'm out there sometimes three and four hours practicing. I bowl 15, 20 games before I stop. That is just amazing. That's amazing stuff, right? At 85. Yeah, physically, Dwight Dwight's that of a ninety-year-old already, <laughs> and he's nowhere near an eighty-five. 
All right. I just didn't take good care of myself like Carmen did. Did you hear my banquet speech at the 60-year anniversary? I don't think so, no. Well, I told those boys, I I bowled the first tournament. I'm the the last guy of the seven guys that started the PBA, and I I bowled the first tournament, and I bowled 60-year anniversary, and I told them to take their vitamins because I'll be around (laughs) for the 70th. Because I'll only be 94, and I'll take my wife's bowling ball. It's a little lighter, but I will be there. That is the thing I wanted to bring up with you. So we talked about this last week, about right. so many guys on tour not using, obviously, 16-pound balls, but 15-pound balls. And then I start talking to people around here. There's guys in league using 14-pound balls, Carmen. Did you ever think you'd see the day where you know grown men would be throwing 14-pound balls in league play? Well, you know what? Uh, let me give you an analogy to uh, scientific evaluation of what you're talking about. When baseball players play start the season, they got the 36-ounce bat. Before the season's over, they're down to 34. And the reason why is because you want to keep the speed of the swing. That's more important than the weight of the bat. Now, in bowling, the rotation is more important than the speed of the ball. If you don't have, I don't care if you throw 16 pounds and you rotate real weak and the ball's going end over end, you aren't going to carry anything. You could take a 14-pound ball and rotate that a lot stronger and get an entry, you'll get more strikes with a 14-pound ball. Too many people are using bowling balls that are too heavy for them and losing the speed of the swing and the backswing and, and the energy that the ball would have at the back of the lane. So the bowlers found out that the revolutions were more important than the weight. So uh, I could understand a person that works in a uh, job it doesn't have the physical technology that the bowlers do or the strength because they're working for a living. Maybe they're at a desk. Maybe they're doing something that's not requiring a lot of weight. Sports talk so, radio. Yeah, they're better off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to say it. But I was thinking about it when I was talking. Hey, look. Hey, the other thing is, so th- is this better off throwing a fourteen-pound ball and get the strong reps? Start so changing your orders, Dwight. Yeah, this is this is the other thing though, um, because we all know. I mean, you've helped design millions of bowling balls and everything else. So with with the two-handed bowlers and, and the amount of revs that that they're bowling with, and like you just said, guys are using lighter balls to get more revolutions. Has that impacted the design of the bowling ball at all as bowling has changed? Well, first of all, i gotta, I got to say this. Technically, Sparky, you're a two-handed bowler. Do you start in your stance with one arm? <laughs> no. Everybody's a two-handed bowler. Right, yeah. That's, That's a good answer. different technique. Scientifically, that's a different technique, but we're all two-handed bowlers. You and I leave our left. If we take a five-step delivery, we take our arm off the left arm off the ball on the third step. They keep their arm on the ball, but we all start with the first three steps with two hands on the ball. That's true. So Except for they, Wayne Webb. That's a different. Now, now, let me explain this to you also, and start putting some science into the sport. If you swing a ball, the technical. The, the conventional way and cock your elbow right before the release, you'd be see where the, the, 
the conventional way is your arm is vertical at the foul line. Theirs is horizontal. So if you cocked your arm, you would be horizontal. You wouldn't be any different than them. Okay. Uh, you just got a smart bowling lesson. Now, I hope you take it. <laughs> well, I, well, I appreciate it. Still, I'm not going to bowl the way. Sparky, you know I know you well enough to give you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> but 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 the question still remains the same. With all the revolutions that these guys are throwing with now versus maybe back 30, 40 years ago, does that affect how the ball is made? Do you guys take that into consideration or not? No, no. The balls are made the way they're made for everybody. They're not specified for any particular style. And, and that's that's the one thing. Well, first that, of all, you you can't. You can't make the ball for one style because, first of all, some people throw hard, some people throw slow, so you have to make what I call technically a family of balls, just like golf clubs. You can't have any one club. Different people can play with a different club at a particular time, and some people like Tommy Jones, he might have a medium-looking ball. He could hook it on the lane on oil. And you take a league bowler that doesn't bowl every day, he may have to have a lot stronger ball to get the same type of results. Right. So, so you, l- can't, you can't design, you got to make a family of balls like clubs. Let me ask you this. So, Pete Weber was on tour for ever in a day, and he's still out there trying to do his best. And again, physically, you're probably in better shape than Pete Weber at this point. But. When we talk about how he throws, right, he's not throwing with a ton of revolutions, not a, a bigger dude or whatever else. Is he going to be like really the last one of, of that sort that's going to be able to bowl at that high of a level on tour? Pete Weber has got a gift. And all in all sports, there's certain athletes that have gifts. And first of all, to reach the level that Pete or any great bowler like Belmonte or you name them, Errol Anthony, that's a gift from upstairs, and and they're they're unique. And Petey Weber, if he would have trained, as far as I'm concerned, and I love little Petey, he's a great guy off the lanes. On the lanes, he tends to be a little spooky at times, but he's a great bowler. And if Petey would have trained, Petey could have possibly been the best bowler we ever had. That's just crazy. He's got that release. Yeah. Now, See, Petey throws the ball out of swing. Most guys throw the ball out of muscle. He lets the gravity work for him, and he gets through. If you watch his release at the end, he's got strong fingers on that ball. He's not not going to soft. He's so smooth, it tends to look soft. Because for me, I mean, I, I don't throw a big hook. I'm a small guy, as you know, kind of like Pete Weber to that same degree. And I'm watching the rev rates on TV with a strike tracker now on Fox. And I'm just going to myself, man, I just don't know if you're really going to have that many guys be able to be all that successful on the PBA Tour if you don't have huge rev rates like they do. Well, you've got a point. Today's bowlers, I will say this. Today's bowlers, the rev rates is much higher with their techniques than it was when my group bowled at that era. You're right. The rev rates are much, much higher today. And the reason that they get a big score is exactly what you're talking about. The rev rates are so high, they kick a lot of pins off the sideboards and knock that 10 pin down where we would leave it. And now, if you knock the 10 pin down in between strikes, you're picking up 20 pins on a guy immediately. So you're, you're right. The rev rate today 
If you want to be a great bowler, the likelihood you're going to need, need that rev rate. Being a scientific guy, what do you think of Specto and the information that the PB has given the fans at home? I think it's great because they can see the entry angle. That's that's why I was telling you earlier. I wish what people would use lighter bowling balls and work on the rotation and get see that entry that these guys get. Uh, look at the back of of the arc, how that ball is coming in around a six degree entry. That that's the key to bowling, not the weight. Now, if you can throw a heavier ball and do that, it's even better because if you don't hit the pocket solid, you can get a lot of pins off the sideboards with these high ribs. These kids today don't get enough credit. I'm no, telling you're right. you, I'm, I, True I admire them. The yeah. Young people, I admire the way they bowl. Carmen Salvino, bowling legend. He's going to go win the TOC this year, and it's going to be a phenomenal thing to watch, and we're going to have him on and talk about winning the TOC later. Carmen, well, before- thanks so much. Wait a minute, before we hang up, I got to tell you, I got some friends listening to this show. Oh. And the Kramers, a couple of friends of mine named Kramers, they're picking it up in. You there, Carmen? Schaumburg, Illinois. Oh, in Schaumburg. Oh, absolutely. Been to Schaumburg. Isn't there an IKEA in Schaumburg? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you used to go to that IKEA all the and time the until they built one in Wisconsin. Got another couple listening to Airscos also listen. So I got some friends picking up this show. I didn't know that you could pick it up in Schaumburg. They I, told me, that, I got to start listening to you guys. Car- Carmen, <laughs> I, I got to be honest, that's the most people we've had listening to the show in all the years we've had it. So that's good. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, and let the people know that Schaumburg can pick it up, too. Yeah, that's good stuff. Carmen, thanks you so much. Start getting the word out, man. I didn't know that. Yeah, you're right about that. It's all about marketing. That's something I struggle there with. You yes. Know, because. You got a great show. I've I've been on this show. I enjoy it every time I come on. I appreciate it. Guys, take it easy, and look for my name. I'm not. I'll tell you right now. If I if any anybody if I beat everybody uh, in that, that tournament, and and they go behind, they go lower score than me. They have to think of retirement because an 85 year old guy beat them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great story? You win TOC, you're going to be on every late night talk show in this country, so you better get ready to fly. (laughs) I I can't afford the time. I'll (laughs) jump on the last shot. Carmen, have a good weekend, buddy. Take care. Okay, guys. It's always great to be on your show. Absolutely. Take care. There he is. Carmen Salvino on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. He is simply the best. Yep. All right, Castle Lake Spare Time Bowling Show coming up today. It is a Chris Paul Celebrity uh, Invitational coming up. 10th anniversary. They've been doing that damn show for 10 years. 10 years. Holy cow. Uh, coming up on the show today, 1 o'clock Central uh, on Fox. That's on Fox Fox? Yep, Fox Fox. Cool. Oh, yeah. Maybe. That's, that's this, good. Uh, yeah. And next Sunday's TOC is on Fox as well. Nice. Well, I so, get the TOC. Yeah. I didn't think they put the celebrity thing on Fox. Well, you got to remember, on ESPN, the celebrity thing was always the highest rated show yeah, every year. That's true. So were. you got Chris Paul, obviously, it's his deal. Uh, you have uh, Terrell Owens, now in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, you have Mookie Betts, who is a stud for the mm-hmm. Boston Red Sox. J.J. Watt is going to be in the booth, I guess. So he'll be a part of it as well. Uh, Houston Rockets uh, forward P.J. Tucker. 
Uh, he'll be a part of it. Uh, let's see who else here. Uh, William Jackson the third from the Bengals. Uh, NASCAR's Eric Almarola. Uh, driver of the number 10, Gold Bowling Ford. Uh, and the entertainers in the field include Big Brother Season 20 star Tyler Crispin. Uh, and Big Brother contestant Angela Rumans, Grammy-nominated rapper artist. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Bun B. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's coming up 1 o'clock today on Fox 6. Make sure to check that out. Phil Brilo, he's Dwight Albrecht, Spare Time Pro Shop. Enjoy watching your game tonight. We'll talk about it all tomorrow on The Fan. Don't forget, college basketball show today at noon with Don Wachillis. Toodles! Toodles!